Hey travelers, welcome back to Relish the Journey. Thanks for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Miles Biggs. This is episode 40 of the podcast and the very first episode of 2019. I was joined by Tyler Webb from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I found Tyler on Instagram. He has his own podcast called How They're Here. Very similar to what I do where he talks to entrepreneurs about how they got here and tips they have and things they learned along the way. So I noticed a lot of parallels in our content, reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in interviewing me, and then I would interview him. So if you want to go over and check out how they're here on Instagram, you could find an episode with yours truly. But right now, we'll get into the episode with Tyler. He's a very impressive young guy. He's only 19, but he sounds smarter than I am. He's, he's got it squared away, and I think you'll like what he has to say. So first off, thanks for actually responding to some random guy on Instagram that just <laughs> sent you a direct message to ask about a podcast interview. Yeah, thank you so much. It's it's cool to sort of get those messages and obviously you sort of have to filter through in the beginning to see if they're legitimate or if they're, you know, bots right. or whatever, but after looking into, you know, you and and what Relish to Journey is all about, I I realized that it was very legit and I was very excited to collaborate so early on and kind of honored that somebody would want to collaborate with me since I just have really gotten started. So, I appreciate you as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like Syria, your fourth episode went live while we're talking about this. I'm on 30 something, but I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> I still feel like I'm very much new. Right. Well. And we were, we were learning stuff as we were getting set up today. So it's yeah. Kind of a and so ongoing process. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because um, it's just cool for me as this project grows to talk to the people doing the whole podcast thing um, and the like we talked before we hit record here about it. it's a great networking opportunity. And that's one of the things I love about it is just meeting people you might normally not meet and then what you can learn from everybody. So for everybody that doesn't know who you are, you know, give me your elevator pitch on, you know, name, where you're from, what you're about, and then we'll we'll really get into it. So my name is Tyler Webb, and I am originally from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and that's where I am right now, back off of break uh, from college. I am also a sophomore um, at the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities uh, in the Carlson School of Management right now, studying entrepreneurial management and marketing. Uh, it was sort of a windy path to, to end up getting there, but you know, my, my net net is really, I have really always been interested in business and all throughout high school and all throughout my early college career. Everything that I've been doing outside of school has really revolved around business in one way or the other. So I'm, I'm really passionate in things that I am getting paid for and things that I'm not getting paid for. And I'm, I'm really just trying to take advantage of a lot of opportunities that come my way because I really recognize that college is a spot right now where there's not a lot expected of me. I said this in my last podcast, but, you know, right now, if I were just to be going to school and, and getting decent grades and, you know, kind of punching hours in the classroom, everybody in my life would be very content. My parents, my friends, um, the rest of my family, people like that. But I, I really see it as an opportunity to take advantage of, of networking opportunities like this and, and take advantage of sort of my passion projects um, as I sort of have that financial stability and life stability before I really get thrown to the to the wolves, as it were, in the in the real world. So really, I'm just kind of a, a passionate guy trying to meander my way through what is this kind of complicated professional ecosystem and, and try my best to learn along the way because it's all trial by fire for me. I have really very little formal education in a lot of this stuff. So I'm just trying to learn as I go. And it's helpful to meet people like you who have kind of been doing it for a little bit longer so I can take some notes and pointers as well. Yeah, I've said it. I forget on which episodes, but uh, I feel like I have to touch on it. You said your major is entrepreneurship management, and um, we might disagree on this, I guess. It could be fun. But uh, I've always been one that says, I don't think you can teach entrepreneurship, right? Like I, to me, I kind of chuckle when someone says I'm an entrepreneurship major, frankly, because it's I've always been on the school thought, like you either are or you aren't. Having a piece of paper that says I'm I major in entrepreneurship, so I'm an entrepreneur, seems really counterintuitive to that idea of what an entrepreneur is. So I want to go down that rabbit hole a little bit here. Maybe it'll turn into a debate, but sure. what's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you seem you strike me as an entrepreneur. I mean, you're very well spoken for a sophomore Thank in you. college, and you know you definitely seem to have. When I was a sophomore in college, people around me did not have their stuff together as as well as you do. So you might agree, you might disagree, but what is that like for you 
<laughs> yeah, so this is a conversation I actually had on the episode that just dropped today um, with Spencer Barrett, who also went to the Carlson School of Management with me, and, and I, I pressed him on this as well. I asked him, you know, were you kind of feeling like you were going against the mold or that, you know, the university system that we're both a part of or he was a part of um, is, is really sort of one that I think creates almost carbon copies of, of people because you go in and they kind of have this roadmap printed out for you and you're like, follow this, this, and this. And at the end of the, your tenure here at school, uh, you'll have a, you know, kind of a pretty traditional corporate desk job. So um, when I went to the University of Minnesota and looked at the list of majors, like every student does, I'm like, oh, you know, that entrepreneurial management thing kind of sounds appealing. And then um, the marketing piece as well sounded appealing to me. But really where I see it fitting in from a formalized standpoint, because I do agree with you in the sense of that entrepreneurial mindset, you really either have it or you don't. And I think there's a lot of intangibles and there's a lot of soft skills that I guarantee I'm not going to be taught. And I'm barely halfway through this, you know, this entire program, but there are a lot of soft skills that I guarantee you I'm, I'm not going to be taught. Uh, and part of the reason I actually coupled it with a uh, marketing minor is because there are some of those, you know, soft skills that go into entrepreneurship, but then there's a lot of hard skills that if you really want to make yourself useful, uh, you should probably know as well. So I kind of see the entrepreneurial, man the entrepreneurial management major um, as the school presents it as something that really allows me to sort of develop um, a, a wide breadth of, of hard skills, um, stuff like, you know, learning how to be adept at least at stuff like accounting and, and personal finance and, and HR and kind of the things that somebody who is a manager or somebody who is an entrepreneur has to be good at doing or at least know something about doing. So I, I figured that that program is going to teach me a lot about those hard skills and it's going to get me comfortable with doing some of those hard skills. Um, and then the marketing thing is the same where I'm going to learn how to hopefully be a, a halfway decent marketer. Uh, and I just figure that the rest of it is is up to me to do. And I, I, genu I genuinely hope that when I come out of the program that I'm not a carbon copy like the person that sat next to me that was also majoring in entrepreneurship because I think the way that I'm going to be able to get ahead is have some of the intangible things that they don't teach um, and you know really be able to separate myself that way because I think that just if you think about it logically, the idea that you could have a program like entrepreneurial management, well, if that was really a, a true successful program that really produced entrepreneurs, then I think a lot more people would be doing it. And I think we'd have a lot more successful, successful entrepreneurs. Um, but like I said, just logically thinking about it, there are these intangibles and there are, all the, are these things that you can't teach. Um, and I think there's just a lot of headspace for that, um, that, like I said, a program really can't cover. So that's my long-winded answer to sort of why I'm an entrepreneurial management major and, and what I, how I think it fits in the traditional system. Um, I think it has its value, but also I think if you really want to do something with it, you probably need to be a little bit more than just somebody with a piece of paper. Yeah, if you don't have the mindset, it's really just a business degree at the end of the day, and then it's 100%. what you do with it. Like right. you said. Yeah. This whole thing, then podcasting, is that something that they is that like a class in school for you or anything or something you just pick up on like YouTube university as they say? Yeah. So it was something that, and just like you, um, we said before we were recording that I was a huge podcast guy. I preferred to listen to podcast over music in, in just about every scenario, whether it be the gym or, you know, getting to class or walking in between classes or whatever it may be. I was always a fan. Um, and I've always been somebody that, you know, has been very opinionated and, and not that my podcast is just me blabbering my opinions, but I always felt like I've been somebody that has something to say um, and somebody that's been really good at relating to other people. So I thought that that relate itself really well into doing a podcast that was an interview style so I could relate to the people I was interviewing. Um, and then also turning that around and relating to the people that were, you know, are hopefully listening to the podcast. But really the entire nature of the podcast, um, and it was funny that you said something about, you know, was it a class? Um, the whole reason I started this podcast is because I was sitting in this one credit class. It was kind of a BS class that we had to take um, called Career Skills and a part of the Carlson curriculum. Uh, and really, it was uh, you met once a week. There wasn't really a lot of homework. And it was really meant to help develop some of these soft skills that there's really a gap in um, in, a, in a more traditional curriculum and, and learning skills like writing resumes and how to dress for career fairs and how to you know give an elevator pitch and how to format your LinkedIn and all this sort of stuff that you know really kind of falls between the cracks when you think about traditional education, uh, but it's so, so, so important, right? You know, if you can't write a good resume or if your LinkedIn isn't presentable or if you're not dressed right for a job interview, you know, it doesn't matter how good you, you could go to Harvard, you could go to, you know, the most prestigious business school or any school in the country and, you know, you won't get a second look. So a lot of these really important things that, that weren't being taught um, were sort of being covered in this one credit class. But I, I thought that 
not everybody's taking this class. It's it's not um, exactly recommended. It was suggested, but not recommended. So I thought, you know, why not take the seed in my head that was wanting to start a podcast and and sort of frame it in a way that is, you know, trying to help others learn from that experience that I had and learn from the experiences of others, right? Because there are so many people that are doing things that don't get taught in school, you know, anything from entrepreneurship, you know, the really successful entrepreneurs, I doubt there's, you know, I would love to see the, the statistics on it. I'm sure a lot of successful entrepreneurs didn't actually go to school for entrepreneurship, right? And just like, uh, you know, I interviewed a, uh, a guy by the name of Chris Jackson, who is the lead video content creator at, you know, at the University of Minnesota and all these other dudes that do these kind of off the wall jobs that are really desirable when you look at them, but there aren't really formal programs for, for doing a lot of this stuff. And, and just like podcasting, there isn't a formal education for doing it. So I wanted to take that mindset and and put that and charge that all into a podcast um, and make it something that was, you know, really usable for people that were a lot like me. So you've called it how they're here. So talk to me about that. Where'd you come up with that name? So this sort of goes back to that idea that I was just talking about where, you know, I want to help people and I want myself to learn from the experience of others because there's a lot of stuff, like I said, we're just not going to be taught in school. So I figured that the the best and sort of most logical way to do that um, would be talking to people sort of around this framework of how do they get where they are, because like me, or like I think I have, um, a lot of people have these very winding and, and wandery paths that aren't very linear, and I think that's something we're taught in school is that, okay, you're going to follow plan X, Y, and Z, and you're going to get output, you know, W, and it's going to be a very linear thing, and it's going to be a very cohesive and, and like logical thing. And for a lot of successful people, that's not the case. So I wanted to have these conversations around the framework of, okay, how did you get where you are today? Because as a lot of us can see, we, we want to be an entrepreneur. We want to be a full-time creator. We want to be a podcaster or whatever it may be. But you know, there's obviously steps to get there that aren't always very evident. Um, and, and that's just sort of the guise of what I wanted to have these conversations under. So that's how I got the name, how they're here. Um, you know, hopefully it, hopefully it works out and hopefully it sticks, but I liked it and, and I thought it played pretty well. Yeah, I like it too. And the way you laid up in the intro and, and about how he's here, you know, that kind of thing. It makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you then. So how are you here? That's, you know, if you just sure. if you just sum up your, you know, your I'll use my buzzword a journey here so far. You know, it seems like your path probably isn't totally linear either. So how like what would you say led you to this conversation here? Yeah. So that's I've never actually had the question flipped on me. So that's uh, kind of funny and I appreciate the uh, yeah. a good question. But uh, my uh, my upbringing was pretty ordinary and it's something that I think a lot of, you know, Midwest people and, and just people that go to, you know, the University of Minnesota and, and probably all over the country can relate with. I had a, uh, you know, I'm the oldest of three boys. So there's always a lot of competition in my house, but I had a, uh, a stable two parent household and, and we never grew up um, really without worry about where we we're going to sleep or what we we're going to eat or you know, that we were going to have clean clothes to wear or anything like that. Um, I was very fortunate in that regard to just kind of grow up without any worry. So I think that really fostered in me sort of this idea of, you know, not being content. And I, you know, I think that I, I don't know when it happened for me and it, it must have been my parents because I think it, it could have been very easy for me to say, you know what, I grew up this way and, you know, an upper middle class household and I can kind of follow this path and have the same life for myself. But for some reason, and, and I don't know if it, like I said, it was that competitive nature between me and my brothers. Um, my parents are also very competitive. They're both like very fit people. Um, they're, you know, they work out all the time. So they're, they're never very content with, you know, where they are in a, in a bunch of different regards. But I always just sort of had this, you know, this burning passion in me to, to do something more and to, you know to be extraordinary in, in whatever way I could and and for a long time that you know that wasn't super easy and that it, that didn't mean a whole lot um, to me practically until I got to high school and I was presented with this opportunity um, like a guy that I knew through a couple mutual friends was like hey you know I have this Twitter account and, and right now it has about twenty thousand followers and I'm like wow that's a lot of followers right and he's like yeah. you know it was a football fan account called I live for football and a 13 year old made it so that's just what you'd expect from a from a, <laughs> a Twitter account made by a 13 year old who who loves football and lives for football and an account called I live for football so he he approached me. He was like, "Hey, you know, I know you through this mutual friend of ours. Would you like to help me out?" And at the time, I had zero qualifications. You know, it was just very much my only qualification was my willingness to help without you know being paid or compensated anyway. And that was 
you know, to what I've become to, from what I know now is really one of the best qualifications you can have is just a willingness to help and sort of a dedication and drive that is unparalleled in a lot of people. So I agreed to help out and really all that meant was tweeting on this account. Um, and the, really the rest was taken care of for us. So, you know, we'd tweet, we'd tweet a lot and this comes back to the, to the drive and determination. You know, we'd probably tweet three to four to five to six upwards of six times a day from this account and all just curated football content and, and nothing too hard. We just go find other content that we liked from sports center or bleach report or ESPN or other accounts like ours and repost it with a new creative caption. Uh, but we just naturally grew and what started at 30,000 followers when, you know, I was a sophomore in high school, uh, by the time I graduated high school and got into college, we were at a uh, 120,000 followers. So, we really kind of blew up and our tweets would get, you know, a ton of retweets. I remember one tweet um, was about Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback from Jacksonville. And for, you know, an entire day, we were trending in the city of Jacksonville. So just a bunch of different stuff like that, you know, was really cool. And um, I learned all those skills along the way of, you know, how to caption a, a post and um, how to do all this sort of stuff. And I think it would have been a really easy thing for me to, in high school, say like, wow, I have 100,000 followers. I have 110,000 followers. Look at me. Um, but I really took it as, again, an opportunity to do something that was a little bit more extraordinary than what other people might have seen it to be. So I would be reaching out to sponsors and be like, hey, would you like to run a giveaway on our page? Would you you know, what, like to do some sort of sponsor content together or whatever it was that, that we came up with um, to sort of drive some sort of revenue? And by the time I was a freshman in, high school, or a freshman in college, um, we were driving a couple hundred dollars of revenue through the page every single month, which you know, was a really cool thing for, for a couple of young guys to be doing that, you know, and something that just started off as a Twitter account. So uh, unfortunately, though, last year, um, just due, due to a couple circumstantial things, the, uh, we, we stopped operating the account. And the way it um, the way it ended was I was very pleased with it. We kind of let it ride off into the sunset, as it were. And, and all the guys that were doing it, you know, there were three, three of us primarily, and we still remain very good friends to this day. And I wouldn't trade that opportunity for the world, partially because of those friendships and for that opportunity, but also because it really was a great networking tool. And it was really something that I think launched, you know, launched me to the trajectory that I'm on right now. So from there, um, once I got to college, I, I still wanted this sort of thing that um, played in the back of my brain. And I, I really wanted to still, you know, because this was never really driving. I lift football was never driving a ton of revenue. So um, it was always just something that I was passionate about. And I wanted to find something like that again. And I was contacted by somebody that was doing a very similar thing, uh, an account called Athlete Nation, except this one was really legit. And uh, he was actually dropping out of school to pursue it full time to help um, create content full time for the page um, and for the brand in general. Um, so, you know, right now, um, still work with Athlete Nation. Right now, we, uh, you know, we partnered with the first national bank of omaha they're they're we're headquartered out in lincoln nebraska we have an office space there and we worked with the first national bank of omaha to do a four-part uh, sponsored content series over the fall um, to really drive some real revenue like you know five figure type revenue that is really kind of impressive for awesome. a bunch of young kids right so yeah. this is just something that you know and that a lot of that revenue just goes back to operating costs and kind of goes back to paying for rent and all this sort of stuff so i don't see really a ton of money from that either but the whole point of it is just to kind of be this, you know, uh, stigmatizing thing that, that really kind of gets my creative juices flowing. Um, and I think right now in my life is probably the best time for me to do stuff like that. So, um, you know, from there, I've, I've been able to grow a lot of professional contacts and I, I do a lot of freelance work for local companies up in Minneapolis and in Green Bay. Um, and that stuff sort of pays the bills. You know, I, I can bill hourly for, for that kind of work and, and really help pay my, you know, pay my rent and living expenses and stuff like that. Um, and then this podcast kind of fits in nicely in, in that dichotomy where there's something I still wanted to, you know, I, I found myself having extra time and I'm like, I got to fill this with something that I'm passionate about. And so the podcast fits right in with that mold of I live for football and feels fits in right within that mold of uh, of Athlete Nation where it doesn't bring in at right now we're very early on we don't bring in any money right we don't have any sponsors right. or anything like that but it's something that I love doing and I've been very passionate about doing uh, and I hope to continue to do uh, just because I've I've really been this opportunist and I'm and I'm trying to make something more of myself than a traditional student right now so that's sort of how i got here to talking to you um you know you reached out like you said with a with a direct message and i'm happy you did and 
yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to fuel my passion right now and, and feel this drive I have inside of me and, and try to do something with it. I, I hate sitting and feeling like I have nothing to do and nothing to work <laughs> for. I'm kind of restless that way. So yeah, that's kind of what's got me here. Right on. Is this my question listening to your podcasts and then just talking with you for like 20 minutes here is just if this, this is the first podcast you've done before because you're very well spoken and seem like a pretty polished interviewer. So it just doesn't seem like your first time. I'm curious if it is or not. Um, so I think back when I was still doing I Live for Football, um, we were sort of trying to get into the original content game there. So I had had a couple run-ins, um, you know, with doing a podcast with a couple other guys, but it was nothing too serious and, um, you know, nothing that I was super, super passionate about. I mean, I'm, I'm into sports, but by no means am I probably qualified to host a sports podcast by any means. Um, so really probably in the regard in which you're asking the question, I, I have never really formally, you know, had a podcast or anything like that. Um, but I really don't think, and, and this is probably just goes to something for people looking to get into podcasting, but, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to be the, um, you know, best spoken person or, you know, I always had this pre-notion that you had to have a really good like radio voice and you, you had to <laughs> you know, sound really silky smooth over the mic or something like that. Yeah. But really, I think where a lot of the value lies, and this is why I wanted to interview people in the first place was so that they could do the talking. And really for me, I just had to sort of, you know, prod them and kind of get the, get the content out of them that, you know, that I was looking for. So I think the, the most important thing I found about being a host isn't, you know, having the great voice or isn't being super well-spoken or, you know, super articulate with the way that you talk necessarily, those things help. Um, but I think really trying to, you know, being able to get down to what you want to get out of the person you're talking to um, and really kind of knowing, uh, you know, what that, what that line of thought is, I think is probably the most important thing. And that comes across and the questions you ask and the follow-ups you have, and, you know, obviously not just reading off a sheet of paper, but really sort of having that conversation. And, and I think I've found that to be probably my greatest ally as I sort of meander my way through this. And like I said, by no means do I consider myself an expert, but I think sort of having that, you know, constantly turning mind and being able to kind of ask these interesting follow-ups and being able to get these people down in a line of thought that they're comfortable with um, is really important when you're, when you're trying to do this well. Yeah, definitely agree. Cause <laughs> I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> but mm -hmm. you just learn each time, you know, it's fun. hundred percent. So how did you, how'd you get started then? Did you have somebody say, Hey, here's how you do a podcast. You need to do one, two and three, or have you just kind of figured out as you went along? So a lot of it I have figured out as I've gone along and, and along and I've been fortunate to sort of have my, you know, have my hands in a couple different pots in regards to, you know, I've, I've helped people produce podcasts a couple times. You know, I, like I said, I've been on, been on a few, a couple times, whether I've been interviewing or being the interviewee. Um, and, and so I've just, I've sort of culminated a lot of these different tidbits of experience along the way. Um, but this, this has really been the first time that I really sat down in front of a mic and, and really done it from start to finish all by myself. So um, a lot of it was, you know, like you talked about earlier, it was YouTube University. Um, so that, that was really a big ally. Um, but I, I think my biggest help was with my second guest, Andrew Declan of the Back Pocket Podcast. Um, they were my, they're the second... Uh, the next people I interviewed after Barat and they were so helpful in just giving me, you know, a bunch of little things that I hadn't even thought about. So obviously I thought about the things like the microphone and how I was going to record and how I was going to upload. Those are very obvious, right? And, and those you can usually get through YouTube, right? Looking at, Oh, what microphone is the best or the cheapest and you know, the best value or what audio software for editing is the you know most intuitive to use and all that sort of stuff was easy to find on the internet. But you know, stuff like, splicing up content, um, you know, just different nuances of how to ask questions and how to get guests and, you know, the best way to go after a lot of the things that happen behind the scenes, um, they were really helpful for. So I would say for anybody probably getting into it, finding allies like that, that have done it before, um, and really trying to find people that can act as your mentor along the way is, is going to go a really long way for you when you're just getting started. But also as you continue to go forward, you know, they're going to be learning from you. You're going to be learning from them. And it, it's going to be a really valuable relationship if you can get somebody in that position for you, um, that can kind of help you out because this is something that everybody's obviously tried. Um, you know, somebody had to try it first. So it, it's really sort of a, you know, a process where you're figuring out as you go. It's just helpful to have somebody that's gone through that process before you to, to get some pointers from. Yeah. Actually just got those guys a Christmas card in the mail. Like, was it last week or something? Yeah. A hundred percent. That's so <laughs> they funny. Did what that. they're doing. Like, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I, I've listened to them too. And 
I like to listen to the way other people do it because it helps me figure out new stuff and just get new ideas. And I saw it. I thought that was interesting. So I said, man, what the hell? I'll sign up for it. And right. Christmas card and a sticker, but it's it's cool. It's a good way to build that loyalty and 100%. the fan base and things like that. You mind sharing some of the pieces of advice? I mean, I, I think a lot of people that I know that I talk to are like, they listen to mine and they say, oh man, I wish I could do that. It's like, well, you can. I mean, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. And I always get on my soapbox with them, but people do that to you. I mean, where would you say if someone was going to start, what kind of advice would you lay out for them? So the one that Andrew and Declan gave me when I asked them this question on my podcast, um, the number one thing they said was consistency. Um, And this was not only the biggest piece of advice they had for other podcasters, but they said it was sort of their number one um, trait that they had as podcasters. Uh, because you know they're they're also very early on. If you would ask them, they'd say they're very early on in the whole process and really in the whole journey um, and where they want to end up going. But consistency is a hundred percent. I think the most important thing, and and that's just because when you and I are doing this, or when Andrew Declan are doing this, or when anybody's getting started, you know, there's going to be a lot of reason to not do it, and there's going to be a lot of reason to quit. Right? The you're not getting millions of listeners, you're not rolling in hundreds of dollars per episode, and and all this sort of stuff that I think people really glamorize when they think of podcasting, having people listen to you, having people support you, all this sort of stuff, is not the case, and, and that's especially true, especially true when you're starting out. So I think consistency is really the the biggest thing because. The fact of the matter is you're not going to blow up after one, doing one podcast and then it's all all of a sudden going to become easier, right? You know this for sure. I don't, you know, I don't have to tell you. But yeah. th- really the fact of the matter is if you can continue to do it and you can do it well over and over and over again, some of these things that you are glamorizing and, and some of the things that you're doing it for uh, might really come to fruition because you've been consistently pushing out content and consistently doing the thing that you're supposedly passionate about. And I think that's sort of the second key to that is – you know, don't put on a facade and don't fake like you're an expert at something or don't fake like you're interested in something because you think it's going to play well and it's going to get a lot of listeners. If you're not truly passionate about it, you're going to stop doing it after the third or fourth episode because at some point it's going to get hard, right? So the only thing that's going to really drive you is that that desire for consistency and the passion that you have uh, for whatever you're talking about. And yeah, that's, that's something that Andrew and Declan told me. And I sort of knew it in the back of my head. And I, I knew that at some point it was going to get hard, but hearing them say it for some reason really reaffirmed in me that, you know, it was going to get difficult and I was on the right path and, and all these sort of things that come along when you're just starting out a podcast. So I love that. I love that they told me that. And like I said, there's a lot of great stuff like that when we had our conversation uh, on my podcast as well. Yeah. And I really agree with that one too. There are definitely times I fall into that category, the consistency where it's, man, it's, you know, it's for us right now, it's 8.30 PM on a Sunday. It's two days before Christmas. It's like, I'd rather be in my PJs by the tree watching Netflix, but you got to do it. You know, you get to get it done and, and over with. So you have it for the next time. And then one thing I think is really cool about that too, is you talked about putting on a facade. Um, I agree, not putting on a facade of like something you don't believe in, but you have to like believe in more than other people do, I think. So one guy I interviewed, um, I went to college with him and he started his own company called Bloombox and he delivers plants and stuff to people's houses to make gardening easier. He'll he'll grow a plant like three quarters of the way, deliver it to you, then all you have to do is take care of it. So he makes it easy. But he, for the first year and a half, I would have thought this guy was killing it. I mean, he was crushing on social media. Everything was roses. He's doing really well. And I interview him and he's like, dude, I was like 30 grand in credit card debt and you know all this stuff where you wouldn't know it because he's just selling it hard every time until it worked. The old fake it till you make it kind of thing. And uh, it's just interesting that you almost have to oversell it and overbelieve it yourself to get other people to believe it with you eventually to blow up over time, like you said. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's something that Andrew and Declan do super well. And I, I think it's something that's, you know, that's really imperative because, like you said, in the beginning, if, if you don't believe in yourself and if, if you don't think you're going to work and if you're kind of a, a pessimist in your own head, it, it's never going to shake out, right? It's never going to work out if even you doing it yourself you don't believe that it's going to pan out to be something greater than, than what it is right now. So I, that's a fantastic point. I totally agree. And it's funny because I was, uh, you mentioned you had a family Christmas thing here today before we, we got on and I had a family thing this weekend too and traveling back and I met up with a couple of buddies I hadn't seen in a while. And one of them actually said to me something about the podcast because I was talking to him about another guest I had on and he made a comment about an episode I had recently and said, oh yeah, that one was good. The first one you had with that person like sucked. 
he just said, I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, no, I meant that as a compliment. I'm like, okay, thanks, I guess. But it is funny how uh, people just like go all in on a judgment too, right? Like yeah. they're not going to do it, but they're going to kind of root for you to not do well. And then when you do well, it's, oh, you actually can do this instead of you can do this. Like, yeah, actually I can, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's not easy for all those reasons, right? You're just kind of, yeah. you're continuing the list of all the reasons it's, it's not easy to start with, which I think people don't necessarily understand in, in the very beginning. Like I said, I think when you think of podcast, you, you don't think of people doing it at 8.30, two days before Christmas. You think about you know, the Joe Rogans, Tim Ferriss, whoever you want to say that oh, yeah. are doing it in a studio and are getting on these very glamorous guests and are getting all this notoriety. Um, but the reality is it's going to look much more like what we're doing in the very beginning than it's going to look with, you know, with how they're doing it. So, Absolutely. So have you had any naysayers with you? Like, oh man, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time? Right. Anybody no, saying I, that to you? Yeah, I've I've been super fortunate just with my, you know, my family and my friends and having that support system really saying that, at least to my face, right, that, um, you know, they, they listen to it and they like it and, you know, they think I might have something here. Really what I think, what I think the naysayers come in is, you know, after episode five or six or 10 or, or 15 when, you know, you've been doing it for a while and you have this thought in your head, right, that, oh, this could be something. And, you know, right where you're at when you're at episode 37, you've, you've obviously established a pattern of consistency, right? Um, and it's sort of no longer, you know, people might start looking at you and say, oh, wow, he's actually like putting time into this. He's actually in investing time into this, right? And then all of a sudden, I think that's when the naysayers really start to kick in and they're like, okay, why are you doing this? Because you're not making a bunch of money and you're not, you know, you're, you're not achieving all these things that people usually associate with successful content creators. Um, you're just doing it in the kind of dead of night and interviewing some, some college kid that nobody's ever heard about. Right. So <laughs> I think that's when, that's when the naysayers really kick in and that hasn't happened for me quite yet. And whether it will or not, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to try to take it in stride. Uh, but I think what people again really have to realize is that you know if you believe in yourself and if you can be consistent then a lot of those things won't matter um but it's all going to come back down to if you're passionate about it and if you're driven to stay consistent with it because you're really going to get deep into it with this investment that you have whether it be money investment or, or time investment or or whatever it may be um you're you're sort of going to get in this hole and people are going to say like wow why is he why is he digging any deeper um when i think we really probably see it as a different you know, we're not, we don't see it as us digging ourselves into holes. We see it as, you know, building a foundation for something that hopefully can be more successful. But, you know, there's that perspective gap that, that people don't really see. So, yeah, long, long answer short, I haven't really encountered any of those people directly to my face, but I can see them coming somewhere down the line where, you know, I've put a sizable amount of time and, and maybe even money into it. And it hasn't panned out to meet their expectations. And I'm just going to have to say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing it for different reasons. And I'm doing it because I'm passionate right. about it, not because I want to achieve some sort of arbitrary, you know, material, materialistic goal that, that you think I should. So you mentioned that you're a college kid no one's ever heard of. <laughs> so you are. Yeah, I'll be 20 in uh, January. So a little less than a month. Okay. So you're 19 then. What do you want to be in 10 years from now? Like you mentioned that kind of an off phrase of, but what do you want to be known for when you get out of school and, you know, hit the marketing game hard or start your own company or wherever sure. it is your head? That's a great question. I actually just thinking about this today and, and three words they really popped into my mind, which was um, discretion, uh, security and, and flexibility. So I think those that first word and the last word, discretion and flexibility sort of go together a little bit. But I really want to be, and, and this has really changed for me over time, right? I mean, just a year and a half ago, I thought I wanted to go to school to be a doctor. So by no means do I think I have what I, you know, the, the plan I want to be in 10 years mapped out. But I, I really know now after, you know, doing some ventures like this, starting a podcast, working, you know, freelance, having an internship, sort of, sort of, uh, being on this entire spectrum of, you know, really informal work that I'm running myself, like this traditional entrepreneur, and then being in sort of this corporate machine, if you want to call it that, and being a part of, you know, a, a traditional marketing team, I, I really have found myself wanting to, like I said, be in charge of having discretion in the work that I do. So having a lot of autonomy and a lot of um, freedom to do stuff that I want, I think I'm 
a very strong-minded guy, um, sometimes comes across as opinionated, conceited, whatever you want to call it. But it, nevertheless, I think I'm very certain in what I have to say and what I believe. And I, I'm very self-aware in what I can do. So whatever work I want to be in, I, I want to make sure I can exhibit uh, those characteristics and, and really have an impact on what I'm doing because I have control over over the outcome. Uh, the second part of that is security. I, I look at a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think probably the biggest knock on me, if, if you want to look at me from sort of this entrepreneurial lens, is I am um, not as risk adverse as some people are. So I really value sort of this security. Um, I obviously am willing to, to give it up to some degree. But you know, I know people that have dropped out of school to, to go after certain ventures and doing all this sort of stuff. That's just not me. So I value some level of security in whatever I'm doing. And the final thing um, is, is flexibility. I I really strongly strongly value you know family and my own you know personal well being and I, I want to do all these things like travel and and start my own ventures and I want to be in a spot which allows me to sort of go after those things whether it be a trip or whether it be a different venture or spending time with my family um, I, I really want to be in a spot that in a job that that allows me to do all this sort of thing so how that specifically materializes I'm not a hundred percent sure um, I I really don't think I want to be at a desk punching numbers my entire life. Um, but I also don't want to drop out of school tomorrow and pursue this podcast full time. So I th I'm thinking I'm probably going to end up somewhere right in the middle. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, something like Athlete Nation would be really appealing to me where it's a really forward thinking organization and it allows me a lot of autonomy and sort of allows me to create my own role within the organization. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm not the one burdening all the risks. I'm not risk. I'm not the one that had dropped out of school and I'm not the one that has put, you know, several hundred hours and thousands of dollars of investment into it. So I think somewhere right in the middle of that, you know, traditional corporate sure. job and sort of out on a limb uh, entrepreneur is, is where I hope to fall in, in 10 years. But like I said, a year and a half ago, I wanted to be a doctor. So that could all change as soon as tomorrow. <laughs> so we'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. And I asked because you say you're 19, I'm 28. So we're about 10 years apart. And 10 years ago, when I was a sophomore in college, nobody I knew and still know was doing what you're doing as a sophomore in college. I mean, we were focused on partying on the weekends, having fun and sports teams and the traditional internship route, but not doing a podcast from your dorm room or anything. You know, the closest was my roommate who was teaching himself how to DJ, but then that was even just a hobby until he left college. So is that typical for your age group now? Is this like the, the new norm is people just experimenting with all these things before they graduate? Right. I think that's a really interesting question. I think it's 100% who you run with. So I've been fortunate enough to surround myself, whether it be close friends or just a network of other professionals that are very like-minded in the sense that they want to try all these things and, and they want to do all these things before uh, they graduate. Like like I said, I, I know people who have gone as far as dropping out. Um, and, and then I know people who you know don't really have any interest in entrepreneurship. But I think a large majority of the people I surround myself with have some sort of interest in in really creating and, and doing something for themselves, like you said, before uh, they graduate. But I also think it's an interesting theme that you see with kids that are my age that, you know, since I don't know if you want to call it the advent of social media or w whatever, but this sort of idea that you can put entrepreneur in your bio, right? In your Instagram bio. And then all of a sudden that makes you that thing. Uh, my first episode, I talked to Brat Palgum, one of these guys who dropped out. And he said that there's sort of this epidemic of entrepreneurs, right? People that are great at coming up with ideas and great at thinking about things they want to do. And then they put it in their Instagram bio and, you know, you create a bunch of social media accounts for this company you're starting. Um, and that, that all of a sudden makes you an entrepreneur. And I thought that was funny um, coming from him, somebody who has legitimately started like four successful companies, like companies that are still to this day profitable and successful by any measure of, of what a company should be. Um, and him saying like, you know, I still don't really consider myself an entrepreneur. And I think that's funny coming from somebody like him versus, you know, I know plenty of people who have, oh, I'm starting, I, you know, me and, me and a couple guys are getting together and we're, we're conceptualizing this app and all of a sudden you get followed by this Instagram account for this app and you know this dude's the CEO of the company and it's like okay like what does that really mean right <laughs> so Absolutely. um i i think for me personally the people i surround myself with um i try to surround myself with action driven people and and people that aren't like that that aren't you know oh i'm a CEO blah 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 and i'm like okay like what do you have to show for it and they're like well we're just getting started and it's like okay i i don't put a lot of weight into that um so i i surround myself with people that 
usually aren't like that. Um, but I, I think there's this larger conversation to have about people that are that are my age, um, you know, maybe even bridging up into the their upper 20s or whatever it may be, but definitely really young people today um, that are entrepreneurs, like Bharat had said, um, and have these ideas and don't really put pen to paper or any action behind what they're saying. Um, and I, I think that's a real problem. But I don't see it a whole lot with the people that I surround myself with, but that's very purposeful. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's uh, two different discussions to have there, and, and they're both definitely very interesting. So going into all this in college and looking to your future, what's been a really good piece of advice somebody's given you just in general? Yeah, I think the one thing that it wasn't directly given to me, but it's something that I figured out from my parents 100% and from all these people that I've now – especially recently started talking to, um, which is the, the idea that time is fungible. So what I mean by that is obviously we all only have 24 hours in the day. And I, I think that's obviously a very like humbling thing to think like, okay, you can look at the most successful person in the world and they still have the same amount of time to do everything that you want to do. Um, and you know, there's 24 hours for all of us. So this idea that time is fungible where you can't create more time. We all have the same amount of time, but you can switch around the ways that that you spend your time, right? So for me, this is uh, this was very clear to me with my parents. I, I think I said it earlier, but they're you know they're they're fitness freaks. My mom and my dad both work out multiple times a day, seven days a week, and they have they both have full time jobs, right? And they I grew up in a family with three brothers, so they're running us to practice everywhere, and you know cooking and, and cleaning and and sports, and you know my dad was my coach and like all this sort of stuff. They're very busy people, um, but the way they fit it all in was you know they wake up at. 5am to work out. And then they're, you know, they're doing things on their lunch break. My dad loves to golf. And so to fit golf in, he has to go spend his lunch break um, at the golf course, because that's what he likes to do. And that's the only time he can fit it in. So he has to sacrifice that lunch break to, you know, go do something that he might not be able to otherwise do. Uh, so this whole idea that you can really augment your day to fit in all the things you want to do was really important or was really evident to me as I was growing up, but I didn't really fully realize it until I got to college and I started doing some of these entrepreneurial things and I started working as a freelancer and I, I started picking up side hobbies like podcasting and, you know, I also want to go to the gym and I want to have a social life and I, I'm a full-time student. So all these things going on, I had to realize that, you know, probably staying up until 2 a.m. watching Netflix and then waking up at 10 a.m. for class wasn't the best use of my time. Um, so the way it transpired in my life was I said, okay, let's have a little bit, a little bit of discipline. Let's go to bed maybe around 11 o'clock every night and wake up at 7 a.m., not super early, and do a little bit of homework in the morning before class. That way, when you get back from class, you have time to go to the gym. You have time to edit a podcast or, or post on, you know, post for a client social media or whatever it may be. Um, but just so you have the ability to get all these things in. So I had to sacrifice, you know, a little bit of Netflix watching time or a little bit of video games so I could fit all these things in. Um, but it's really been the best thing for me. I'm, I'm, I'm way less stressed out. Um, you know, it was a couple months ago now that I really kind of, came to this realization that like, I'm going to break somehow, like something's going to have to give. <laughs> you can't go a hundred miles an hour at everything. And whether it was school or whether it was, you know, what I was doing to make money and, and freelancing or podcasting or my social life, like something was going to give very soon. And I realized that. And so that's when I, you know, sort of waking up a little bit earlier to, to, do, to fit in all these things. But it really all boils down to the fact that time is fungible and that you can move around your time and you can reorder your tasks to fit them all in if you really want to, but you're going to have to sacrifice things along the way. And that was, like I said, something that was very um, prevalent in my life growing up and something I didn't fully realize until quite recently. Yeah. I like that a lot. I had to live that too in college. I did uh swam competitively all through college, had a job on campus, a job off campus, you know, multitude of clubs and things, you know, classes, girlfriend, you throw it in there. You realize it too, like you said, you can watch TV some other time, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be the main focus of your life is that binge watchable show. So right. I like 100%. that. And, and it all comes back to this idea of consistency, right? Like once you, once you do it and keep doing it, it's, it's easier to do. And, and that's, you know, that could be anywhere from biological where the more you wake up early, you know, your, your clocks, your internal clocks is going to reset and all of a sudden you're not going to be able to sleep in later. Right. Um, but it's also just a total mindset thing. And, and that goes to like somewhere, something like going to the gym. Like if you go to the gym once every couple of weeks, it's going to be a lot harder, you know, a month from now to, to really sack up and go to the gym. But if you're going 
three times a week, four times a week, it's much easier to, to continue that cycle. And, and that's, I found to be true in everything that I'm doing, right? It's, it's been much easier for me to Absolutely. crank out a podcast every other week now that I've been doing it for, for a couple of weeks. So I think it all comes back to that consistency part too, hundred percent. Yeah. And the word you used before discipline, I mean, it sums it up perfectly yeah. being disciplined. So what would you give as a piece of advice to somebody, you know, anybody, I was going to say somebody your age, but it could be anybody just that wants to be not a entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur and start something, what piece of advice would you give? The advice that I love, 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 and have really found to be true, like I said myself, was the idea that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a podcast host, you want to do something that is maybe a little less traditional, even if you want to have success in a more traditional uh, you know, corporate job or whatever it may be, that you're, you have to remember that you're aspiring to be the 1% of whatever you're doing, right? So if you want to be that 1%, you're going to have to do more work than the other 99% of people that may or may not also be trying to do that same thing, right? So all these people that are entrepreneurs that want to be, you know, want to be making a living, want to be making six figures, working for themselves. That's that's like 1% of people in the country that that are actually successfully doing that. So you're going to have to outwork everybody else if you want to actually do that. And just having an idea and creating an Instagram account isn't doing that work, right? You actually have to do physical, actionable visible work to to do that. And that goes, like I said, for, for anything. So the best piece of advice is just if you wanna if you wanna live like that one percent and I and I'm saying that very metaphorically, right? It's not like I'm talking about the one percent of a tax bracket or something. Like if you wanna if you want to be successful and you want to be of the most successful in, in whatever you're doing, you have to remember that you're gonna have to outwork everybody that that person is better than because those are also people that are trying to do what you're doing. And just because you have this idea doesn't mean it's going to formulate and doesn't mean that you're any better than anybody else who's also had an idea. So I really like that because it's kept me humble and it's kept me to th- you know remember that, oh, wow, I'm getting interviewed for a podcast. Like, that's cool that somebody wants to hear what I have to say. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm going to hang up and, and I still have work to do tonight because I haven't quite made it yet because this, you know, this isn't my final goal. So that's that's probably the best thing that I can say to people that are my age and, and even older. I think it's very applicable across across all boundaries. But yeah, I, you got to you got to outwork the people that you're trying to be better than if you actually want to have that sort of success that you're actually thinking about. And that dovetails with consistency because you can't stop. You got to always be putting in the work because if you're not doing it, somebody else is and you can always be outworked. I learned that in swimming yeah. just because you had the fastest time, you know, this week or that swim meet didn't mean you're always going to have it. You'd see that guy, same guy you just beat, you know, three months later in the season and he remembered you and the fact that you beat him and was putting in the work, cared about it more than you did or whatever. And the moment you get cocky, someone else is going to kick your butt. So yeah, hundred percent. Well, you alluded to three words earlier, and I'm not sure if, if you knew this question was coming or if that was where you answer it, but I ask everybody this to describe their life in three words, just because I think it really is a cool summation and ends up being a cool summation of the whole conversation, and I get some cool answers. So those three words you rattled off before, were those your three, or do you have another three? Those aren't my three yet, no. Those are what I hope to get to someday in, in some regard, and I think in sort of a professional regard, those are three that I hope eventually describe me. Um, right sure. now, if I were to give three that, that really describe me, I think the first would be opportunist. Um, and I think that, you know, that's in a very literal sense in the, you know, in the sense that if I see a possibility and, and usually my mind sort of goes first to the, the business opportunity of something, but if, but if I see an opportunity, I am at the very least writing it down and I'm at the very least sort of trying to hash it out in my, in my head for the next you know, 30 minutes or whatever it may be. And at the very most, I am actually doing it. And, and the great example is this podcast. A great example is, you know, a, a Twitter account that I started in high school, whatever it may be. But if I sort of see an opportunity to do something, I, I'm always acting on it in, in some capacity. Um, the, the second thing I think that would really describe me well would be that idea of consistency. Um, I, for whatever reason, have always been, like I said, really driven to continue to do things over and over again. Um, and whether it be the fact that humans are just naturally creatures of habit, or whether it be that I have this sort of lit flame inside of me that is, you know, genetic or, or whatever it may be, um, I've always found myself to be somebody that's very consistent. You know, I was never somebody that quit a high school sport because it got hard, or I was never somebody that, you know, would start 
something and just and just stop the next week because it didn't turn out the way I planned. I, I always try to do things and I always try to see things through the vision of, okay, how can I do that? And how can I continue to do it over and over and over again? Because in all reality, if, if we're not able to do a lot of things in our life consistently, they, they're not going to matter and they're not going to amount to many things. So I think that would probably be the second word that I would use to describe myself. As for the third one, um, I'm trying to think here quick off the top of my head. Should have known it was coming, um, but I didn't. <laughs> I would say uh, probably my last one is 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 grateful, and and however tacky that is, um, one you know parable that I really like to live by is is Luke twelve uh, forty eight out of the Bible, which basically comes down to uh, to whom much is given, much will be required. So uh, I said it in my high school commencement speech, and and I continue to live by it today, which is. I am very fortunate. I'm I'm very self aware, um, and I know that I was given a lot of a lot of really cool opportunities growing up that a lot of kids aren't. You know, I like I said earlier, I never had to worry about clothes or food or shelter or you know people that cared about me or anything like that. I was I was always given that, and sort of I sort of take that that upbringing and all these all these opportunities and resources that I have as a responsibility, right? So I'm, I've been given all these things. Now, what am I going to do um, to do something that's beyond me with them? And the way that I've figured that out in my head is, you know, I want to, I want to go on and I want to be successful in, in the world of business. I don't want to just roll over and, and sort of do the same old thing that other people are doing. I think that I was, for whatever reason, by whatever stroke of, you know, any existential power you believe in, um, given sort of a head start on life. And I was sort of given this, this boost at the very beginning. And I want to make sure that I'm not ending up at the finish line equal with, um, you know, other people that maybe weren't as fortunate as I was. I want to make sure that I'm continually trying to, to be better uh, than myself, be better than myself five years ago, be better than the people that um, I consider my contemporaries or consider my peers, uh, because I owe that to the people that were, had given me so much in the very beginning. So I think that last one of that, that last word, I think really is, is probably the best summation of, of who I am and who I aspire to be. It's awesome. Well, you got me convinced. I think you just keep putting in the work. You'll get there, man. You're a very impressive dude. It's been a cool conversation. I appreciate you answering a stranger's direct message on Instagram <laughs> to, to agree to do this. Yeah, it's, of course. It's been funny how many people are actually responding. That's just my new tactic. I've, I've just started hitting up random people like, hey, let's talk. And then I've been getting more responses than I ever thought. Uh, but it's been cool. So I, I'm glad that you're one of them. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I uh, I really enjoyed it, and you really uh, you opened me up to your whole uh, your whole podcasting world, which I've loved. I'm always looking for new stuff like this, so uh, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, you thinking that I was uh, important enough to even talk to in the first place. But it's been great, and I uh, I'm glad I opened the message, and I'm glad I responded. All right, that wraps up this episode of Relish the Journey. Thank you again to Tyler for being our guest this week. Check out his podcast; it's called How They're Here. You can find them on Instagram at how they are here. That's they apostrophe R E. And check out more Relish the Journey content at RTJ Podcast. The website is rtjmedia.com. And you can hit me up via email. It's miles at rtjmedia. Until next time, travelers, relish the journey.